welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into Soccer Morning. Here we go. We are live and on the air. I'm going to talk to you on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Hello, video people. Hello, podcast people. You're in the future. What's the future like, podcast people? Uh, big show for you today. We're going to cover most of the news from the weekend. Got a bunch of results to talk about and the like. We'll take uh, any and all comments you have on the world of football as it exists right now. Uh, Twitter is open, as always, at Soccer Morning. And I'll have the phone lines ready to go in mere moments. The opening li- the opening weekend of uh, of, of the uh, Liga MX uh, Clausura. We've got uh, FA Cup action. We've got some changes to the U.S. Men's National. It's all in the news here in in mere moments. And I've got some breaking MLS stuff from Jeff Carlisle at ESPN FC that we certainly have to talk about in terms of player movement, acquisition, and the like. All right, so we start with the uh, the magic of the FA Cup. Arsenal, Chelsea, City, United all moving on to the fourth round Excuse me, of the FA Cup. In England, now some, now, look, it's not as though everybody just did what they needed to do and can feel great about it. United needed a late Wayne Rooney goal to feel good about themselves as they get the, they, they get a victory, uh, in the, um, uh, in the FA Cup. You had, um, you had Arsenal. They did, they took care of Sunderland three to one. Chelsea doing what they needed to do. But again, there was a couple of teams here that, you know, squeak by, and that's that's what the cup does to you sometimes. Non-league side, in fact, non-league side, Eastley. Now, not that anybody holds up Bolton as one of the best teams in England. Certainly, they've dropped down a division, but now uh, dealing with a replay against non-league side, the last non-league side in the tournament, I believe, Eastley. Uh, they hold Bolton one-one. I watched some of that game, muddy pitch, uh, somewhere in the you know somewhere in the north of England. I'm not even sure where Eastley is. Uh, but uh, certainly the very FA Cup-like game there. League Two side Wickham forces a replay against Aston Villa. We know Aston Villa's been terrible in the Premier League this year. Oxford United with the biggest upset of the round against Swansea. And then from Friday, uh, Little Exeter forcing a replay against Liverpool. So Jurgen Klopp struggling to figure out how to balance out his many uh, many different fronts. We've got the Ballon d'Or ceremony taking place in Zurich today. The men's finalists, you all know them. Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, Neymar Jr. Uh, The numbers are all over the place. I was looking at some of them this morning. Of course, they are incredibly impressive for all three of those gentlemen, but especially Lionel Messi, who I think most people have as the Ballon d'Or winner in 2015. Women's Player of the Year also... Uh, on tap, although I'm not sure why they can't be the, the women's Ballon d'Or, but whatever. Carly Lloyd, Ayami Miyama of Japan, and Celia Sacic of Germany are the finalists for that award. Uh, I'm not sure I have a guess. So we had some sort of uh, supposed leak of the winners, and it was messy and sausage, but don't hold anybody to that. I don't know that that's a guarantee. Uh, of course, we're all United States, men's, uh, United States women's national team fans rooting for Carly Lloyd. Um, to win that award is certainly uh, an amazing World Cup. One of the, if, if not the best player in the year, certainly deserves it on on the back of leading the United States to a championship. Men's Coach of the Year finalists: Pep Guardiola, Jorge Sampioli, and Luis Enrique. Women's Coach of the Year finalists: Jill Ellis, World Champion; Mark Sampson of England; and Norio Sasaki of Japan. You also have your FIFA Pro Eleven announced today, as well as the winner of the Puskas Award which is not Carly Lloyd because she was not a finalist, and that's ridiculous. I don't know what's happening. That's a joke. Jurgen Klinsmann makes changes to the U.S. men's national team roster. Uh, a lot of this happened on Friday. Fataya Lache and Mark Pelosi sent home due to injury. That's a little bit of a, a, a tough break for the San Jose contingent. We talked to uh, we talked to our friend Robert Jonas over on SiriusXM FC on Friday. Maybe we ended up jinxing that pair of youngsters. I hope not. The additions, Steve Birnbaum. Defender, D.C. United, Perry Kitchen. Midfielder, D.C. United, currently unattached, by the way. David Bingham, the uh, San Jose goalkeeper, we knew he was coming in. And Brandon Vincent, a college kid from Stanford who plays fullback. That's a a nod towards the U23 team, which, of course, this uh, camp is uh, heavily focused on as they get ready to face Colombia over two legs for the right to go to the Olympics this summer. Atletico Madrid beating Celta Vigo 2-0 on Sunday to regain their top spot in the La Liga standings. Also in La Liga, you had 
Barcelona, 4-0 winners over Granada. And Real Madrid, 5-0 over Deportivo La Coruña in Zinedine Zidane's debut as manager. Villarreal, Real Sociedad, Ibar, Sevilla all win as well. So uh, interesting times in La Liga, of course, with the change at Real Madrid. Uh, with Barcelona chugging along, but certainly behind uh, Atletico Madrid at this point with that game in hand. Liga of X opening weekend in the Class as I mentioned. Uh, Chivas de Guadalajara stumbling to a 2-2 draw against Veracruz, despite being up a goal and a man after 24 minutes. So not good uh, for the GOATs. Atlas comes from behind to beat Carretero 3-1 in Rafa Marquez's return. Uh, to Guadalajara, and then Omar Gonzalez providing an assist in Pachuca's 1-1 draw on the road against Cholos in Tijuana. Club America playing to a dour goalless draw at home against Puebla, and defending Apertura champion Tigres falls 1-0 on the road to Toluca in that uh, first round. So long way to go, 17 matches in the Glasora. We'll see how that uh, how that plays out down Mexico way. In the meantime, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll open up the phone lines. Is that what we're going to do? It's a Monday. It's your day. Let's hit it. Let's hit it hard. <laughs> Excuse me. My voice doesn't want to work. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. We are back on Soccer Morning on a Monday, January 11th, 2016. Unfortunately, sadly, and I wish I had some of his music queued up. I probably can find something, but I just didn't get it done in the break. Uh, passing of David Bowie. That's uh, pretty much dominating Twitter right now. Uh, music legend David Bowie, who uh, died uh, yesterday after a bout with cancer, 69 years old. If you don't know about David Bowie, go go learn about David Bowie. I, I'm not going to say I was a, a fanboy of David Bowie or or super you know super into his music, but I certainly respect the man. And, and good lord, did he do a lot of stuff. Good lord, did he reinvent himself many times. Never hesitated to just put himself out there doing something he thought he thought was interesting and creative. I mean, give me another, give me another musician, creative artist, whatever who reinvented himself more time than David Bowie. There's nobody, right? And for for me, the 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 memory of David Bowie that will always dominate is is his role in Labyrinth, right? <laughs> if you grew up in the 80s, if you spent any time of your life in the 80s at all, you saw the movie Labyrinth and David Bowie in Labyrinth is like that's that's for you that's David Bowie. Now there's there's if you were of my age range, if you're a little bit older, of course, you know, he was a little bit bigger of an act in the early, uh, late 70s, early 80s than he ended up being for the rest of his life. Uh, certainly his music changed and the like. But still, a, uh, a legend, David Bowie, gone at 69. So that's, that's certainly sad. Uh, the Columbus crew, a couple of bits of news related to Crew SC. Jonathan Tannenwald, uh, tipping me on Twitter. That uh, they have announced a contract extension for Ethan Finley, which is good news for them. Obviously, he is uh, in national team camp trying to impress Jurgen Klinsmann ahead of a couple of friendlies at the end of the month and the beginning of, of February. Ethan Finley, um, a guy with a lot of talent, had a great year in MLS. We'll see if he translates that, but he uh, deserves a contract extension. There it goes. The other bit of news related to the Columbus crew. Jeff Carlisle at ESPN FC reporting that Jack McInerney is headed to the Columbus crew. Reigning MLS Cup champions Portland Timbers are poised to acquire out-of-contract forward Jack McInerney from the crew in exchange for an unspecified amount of allocation money. Will this finally be the stop where Jack McInerney discovers himself for good? Is this finally going to be the place where Jack McInerney... He lives up to all of that potential that we that we know he has. This is team. This will be team four. At this point, at the age of twenty three years old, it's got to happen. 
and 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 you you see the flashes of it. You know, I I, I hate to call them out, but at one point, I think the the American Chicharito label may have gotten tossed out there, and it was unfortunate because it. Not that I don't think not that, not that it messed with McInerney himself, and McInerney certainly had this rocky road uh, in terms of relationships with coaches and 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 staffs and the like. But it uh, it sort of unfairly it unfair it unfairly changed the perception of of Jack McInerney among the fan base. And I think uh, most people see Jack McInerney as again unfulfilled potential. Phone lines are open six four six eight three two. 3909. Ray knows the number and he's already used it. Hey, Ray. Hey, how are you? Uh, I just want to uh, weigh in a little bit about uh, LAFC uh, and about the league in general. And, but first, I would just like to say that, you know, um, uh, I think MLS, uh, I don't like criticizing MLS. I don't like criticizing American soccer. And uh, it, it just, we have to deal with the hands that were dealt. Uh, but what I would like to see this league and, and particularly uh, MLS team do is really resonate with inner city American minority sports culture, regardless of what you feel about the bad boys or the fat five or even the mystique of the LA Raiders when they were in Los Angeles. These sports, this part of American sports culture resonates in urban America, inner city America. And I would love for MLS to, in my personal opinion, uh, MLS to get a crossover team or of appeal or even uh, have players. Where, where are the minority of athletes like Tiger Woods, Serena Williams, Michael Jordan, uh, Oscar De La Hoya, uh, Fernando Venezuela? I, I don't think people, some people may be too young to remember Fernando and what he did was able to yeah. captivate all of American sports culture. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it helped that Fernando was such a superstar right out of the gates, Ray. I mean, I don't know that soccer lends itself to that sort of thing, and certainly MLS doesn't have the profile. I mean, the Dodgers at the time. I mean, I, I can't. The Raiders were good then, but but it was still like the the, the baseball was still such a big thing culturally speaking. And again, you had him speaking to. A population not only not only the the immigrant population, uh, Mexican American immigrant population of Los Angeles that had been that had moved recently out of Mexico to the United States, but but the the legacy the the Chicano heritage that went back what a hundred years in L.A. I mean that remember that the the people that were cleared out of their homes in order to make room for Chavez Ravine uh, and the stadium Dodger Stadium were Mexican uh, you know were, were people of Mexican heritage who had been there for a hundred years already. Right, right, right. And, and but uh um I so I mean but I remember growing up as a kid, you know, in, in the Fab Five growing up in the Midwest in a I grew up a poor inner city minority myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I wasn't rooting for Duke to win those championships. Yeah, no, I I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. That that and look, I just had a discuss. I just had some very interesting discussions. I was in Atlanta for the weekend, had an opportunity to meet some people down there. <clears throat> Who are working on the? Um, I don't know how to how to describe it. One 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 of the people I were I, I talked to works specifically with soccer outreach programs that go into the inner city, I work with uh, immigrant communities um, and inner city communities, and absolutely, there's an issue with MLS and the necessity to to allow the people of a community to identify with their team. Absolutely. Now, right. you can't you can't you can't. There's only so much you can do to manipulate that. You know, there's only so far you can go to sort of make that happen before it's up to the talent that's coming through, before it's up to the players that are there and available. Now, that's on your coaching, it's on identification of those players and everything else, but you can't make a pair, a player up here who's going to become Fernando Valenzuela. Right, right. And, and I would just like to say who, who in an American soccer sense, is the closest team that we have, or which wh- who in, who in American soccer can a poor inner city minority kid relate to currently? Oh man, um, you know uh, that's a very good question. That, 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 uh, I, I'm going to tell you something, Jason. Uh, 
a personal experience. Uh, I I went to go see U.S. Mexico in 2013 in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, I was there. And after the game, I I, I ran out. I, I ran into four young African American youth, and they asked uh, me and my brothers who won the game, and I said uh, the United States won the game. And their response was, oh, sorry, guys, we were rooting for you guys. And I think that it speaks volumes to the disconnect that this sport has in that community. I think that when we talk about American sports culture, American soccer culture, it's well, unique how okay. uh, one know. aspect says one thing and then the other, how, 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 how another culture says another thing within and yet, this is all American. You're, you're, look, you're you're absolutely right. Look, I, I can't speak from that experience, right? I mean, I'm a I'm a white guy. I mean, I and I for the most part grew up in suburbs. I was a military brat, so my experience is different than a lot of people's. But I'm still a white guy. I can't I can't put myself <clears throat> in the shoes of the kids you talk to, or in your shoes, Ray, or anybody anybody. I mean, I look, I know, um, <clears throat> I know Puerto Ricans who root for Mexico. Because they identify but more with Mexico than, than with the United States. I mean, Puerto Rico's got a weird relationship with the U.S. in general, but that sort of speaks to the same things you're talking about. But the, 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 the thing about the national team as it exists right now that's weird is that it's more diverse than I think we give it credit for. Yeah, than it's ever been. Yeah, right. and, and look, and, and there are kids or kids, there are players that people can identify with. I mean, we've got, with Bobby Wood breaking in, we've got an, a, an Asian-Hawaiian player now. There's there's obviously the white guys like Michael Bradley, Matt Beasler, stuff like that. Look, as, lo- as long as Omar Gonzalez is in the team, as long as guys like um, Alejandro Bedoya are in the team, there's a Latin American element. There always should be a Latin American element. We know that, a, a Latino element. There's... Obviously, you know, we've got Josie out the door and, and Bill Hamid's going to be coming through. And Jossie Zardis is a kid who people, sh- who, who inner city kids should be able to identify with on some level. I, I, I think, or at least, you know, th- it's there. Whether or not those people identify with the team is probably more about the, the, the promotion of the team and the, and the, and, and soccer in general. I mean, Ray, you know as well as I do that there's a very different perception of soccer in certain uh, certain communities, especially immigrant communities in this country, and then among the general sports community who sees it as this super white bread suburban sport. Right, right, right. And uh, and I also feel that this this is that's what I mean when I talk about trying to see more diversity in in, in sports culture and on television, particularly on television, because this is way this is where you massive you can meet the masses. And if you look at, uh, I think all sports in America struggle with this. Soccer isn't the only one, but when you tune into a program on television about baseball, NFL, or college football, you see the rate of diverse opinions and perspectives. Uh, Whatever you feel about Stephen A. Smith or Charles Barkley, uh, those are still opinions and perspectives that resonate with a portion of American but, but sports right, But, Ray, this is, this is what's fascinating to me, and, I, and I'm not going to make any judgments here, and I'm not calling anybody out, but you look at the, the way Americans, the mainstream American sports culture operates, it's been a long time coming, and they've had to, uh, you know, obviously, you know, institutional racism is a thing, and we know it's a thing, but as you said, the NBA is a, a diverse set of opinions. The NFL, you get a diverse set of, no, no, wait, hold on, you don't, you get, what you get is opinions from, um, African Americans and from white Americans who grew up playing those sports and, and those are the most important sports to us. And, and even, even hockey's worked in some of the African Canadian players and some of the African American players who have played and, and doing a good job of it. But the only sport that's got a, a Latino element that's actually making something out of that is baseball. And even then, I think baseball, because it's fading as an important sport, at least mainstream youth culture wise, they still get great attendance and people still get excited. But you can't tell me that baseball is the, the the leading sport in this country anymore excuse me <clears throat> so soccer is kind of working in that same area you know what i'm saying so maybe there's something to uh, the american attitude adjusting again adjusting to the the enlarging hispanic community to the point where the sport is suffering at the same time that those people are having to you know that the, the, the american culture is having to accept the fact that we have this large hispanic element now you know what i'm saying does this make any sense? Right. I, yeah, I would agree. Yep. And, you know, and I, I think baseball, 
uh, has been uh, the really first sport. Uh, you know, I think I begins uh, quite frequently on uh, on, uh, on uh, he's a very controversial figure in his opinions and perspective. But he, <laughs> I love Ozzy, I think though. he's on. Uh, <laughs> I love Ozzy. And, <laughs> Me too. Uh, Pedro Martinez is on television these days. Um, there, there's a lot of guys like that. Right. Yeah. Right, and but th- but that's all I'm saying is that you would think that soccer would be in the forefront of uh, this type of diversity here. Well, in yeah, yeah, you're right. But, but, but of, it, it seems it, to me we're stuck in 1960s mentality when well, we watch, well, the, the, watch it on television. The, the problem, I think, is that soccer itself is trying to figure out what it is and how it's going to present itself. But but you look again. You're right, and and here's the thing. I, I'm going to be the white guy saying this because it's true, and if it means I suffer, then it means I suffer on some level. But there needs to be more, you know. There needs to be a, a greater diversity of opinions and and presentation out there. I mean, again, it's not that I want anybody on that Fox panel to lose their job, but you go look at that Fox panel that they put out there for the FA Cup or for the Champions League or for whatever properties they have. That's uh, super white. It's a super white panel, and, and we're talking about a country. I mean, we can't do with this division, Ray, and you're a perfect guy to speak to this. We can't do with this division where on one uh, for the English speakers, soccer is a super white bread sport, and then for the, the people who are, the, are bilingual, bilingual or speak Spanish, it's, it's, a, it's a Hispanic sport. There's got to be a, a bridge, and where's the, where's the African-American representation? All of these things, right? Right, right. I would agree with that 100%, and then uh, 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 all the... Uh, um, I don't like to, I don't like to, uh, I, I personally don't like to call out any networks or anything like that either, but, um, you know, all I'm saying is that it could be better. All right, Ray, Ray, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to move on. Yep. I appreciate the call, man. It's a good chat. Yep. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. 646-832-3909. Right. If you want to jump in and change the subject, please do, because that seems to be the, the important thing at the moment is getting the subject changed. Soccer morning on a Monday. Looking at this news, um, all right, uh, we may shut this thing down here shortly. If you guys want to call in, 646-832-3909, I'll be happy to take your phone calls. But otherwise, I got nothing at the moment. Uh, Ray called in with a subject. I don't know what else we got. What else we got? Give me, give me, a, give me a subject we can talk about here. You want to talk about the FA Cup? I watched, uh, I watched Arsenal. They did okay. I watched um, Bolton and Eastley again on a muddy pitch. Where's Eastley again? Somebody give me a, an English uh, geography lesson. But that was class to me. That's what the FA Cup is. And that's the whole, whole quote-unquote magic of the FA Cup. And that was um, <clears throat> that was fun. It was obviously not high-quality soccer. And, and, and you take that, that, uh, that example of the FA Cup, and of course, for those proponents of the U.S. Open Cup in this country, people who enjoy that tournament and want that tournament to be bigger and more important, um, you know, it's those sort of dynamics. Eastley, the small non-league side from the National League, whatever that is, versus Bolton, which I think is in the championship. Bolton's still in the championship, right? They're not that bad. They still manage to to be in the championship. I mean, they're ba- they can't pay their players and all that. But they're at least uh, maintaining a spot in the top two divisions of English football. That's the dynamic. That that minnow, tiny club versus the much bigger club. Certainly Bolton's got a, a profile having been in the Premier League in recent years. Uh, is what we want out of the the Open Cup. Now, we don't do replays in the U.S. Open Cup. That's, uh, I guess, schedule. I mean, obviously, scheduling and travel, that would be a, a disaster. You can't possibly uh, make that work in a country as large as, as the United States. But I, I, I'm watching that game, and I'm watching the ball die in the mud at Eastley Stadium, whatever it's called. My apologies to Eastley. And I'm thinking, do we, do we want that? I mean, do we want that? Because that's exactly like it, it, I guess within that content text, it's acceptable, right? Within the context of Eastley, the small non-league side versus Bolton, it's okay. But if if American soccer presented that. If, if at some point, and, I, and it does occasionally happen, there's been some bad fields, some small stadiums. I, I guess that's okay, but but you know we we are at the, at the point where those things aren't getting televised. I, I don't know. It, it's it's this it's this odd dynamic that where we accept something out of English football that we might not accept out of American soccer. That's that's I just put that out there. 
Did you see, uh, see, let's go to Twitter here. Did you see, uh, cop? I imagine that's Klopp. Did you see Klopp's pre-match interview done in a kitchen? <laughs> Is your studio bigger or smaller than that room? I saw, I didn't hear the audio, but I did, uh, I, I did see a bit of, um, a bit of that. And it was hilarious. He like pointed out the sink that they had there and there was a, couple of ladies, I don't know what they were trying to do. I don't know what their jobs were, but there was a couple of ladies who got on television because they turn you you see those interviews where it's, you know, the backdrop, they they put up they put up the sponsor backdrop and they talk to the manager about the result and you're thinking you you don't really get a concept of where that is. But of course, if it's a camera right in their face and it's a reporter right in their face with a microphone, it doesn't have to be a large space. And then they pull back and oh my gosh, it's a kit. There's a, like a sink. It's not even a kitchen. It's like a, a washroom. It's like a, like a, it's like a mudroom or something. And then you remember how tiny and old some of these uh, English football stadiums are. Pretty crazy. All right. So we got Jack McInerney moving uh, to Portland. It looks like it's also a done deal that Euromov Sissian's coming back to MLS and he's going to go back to RSL. That's a big move uh, for RSL. A big move for for MLS to get your Sissian back in this league. It's been a couple. Of, he spent a couple of years abroad, made his way around Europe a bit, ended up in Russia, and doing some some pretty good things. Twenty eight years old at this point, your Sissian. He went to Randers. Randers is in uh, Denmark, right? Randers in Denmark ended up with uh, Krasnodar and then Spartak Moscow for the last uh, three seasons. So that's um, that's a pretty solid move. For RSL to bring back a player uh, who has who went abroad and consistently scored goals while he was over there, or uh, did pretty well. We've got uh, yeah, he scored he scored 14 goals in 2013-14 for Spartak in 23 appearances, pretty good in the league. 16 goals across all competitions. As a goal scorer, he's going to score goals in MLS. Uh, is the League Cup overkill, or should we also have a Pro Cup in this country with MLS, NASL, and USL? Says. Boder. Well, look, if we, I think the League Cup is not overkill only because they've been doing it for so long, but, and so they, they sort of come to the, when they, when they look, when English clubs are looking at their schedule, they know that that's coming. They may, they can, you know, they completely toss it away, play reserves, whatever, if they want. But at least they know it's there, but I think if we add a, a pro cup to this country, first of all, Bruce Arena's head would explode, and then somebody would have to clean up that mess, and I'm not sure who we would want to do that. Uh, and then, you know, it, it, it just adds to the, all, it, it puts pressure on the tournament that we've already got, the U.S. Open Cup, and the lack of, of serious, uh, consideration for that tournament that we constantly talk about. We're constantly talking about how no one takes the U.S. Open Cup seriously, or MLS teams don't do enough, or, or they, they play their reserves and it makes a joke out of the tournament, et cetera, et cetera. You can't throw a pro cup in there, pro cup in there, and then expect them to get better at that. It's only going to get worse. So, yeah, that would definitely be overkill for the United States of America to have a, a pro cup tournament. A couple of strikers moving around, uh, MLS. A couple of moves in, uh, the U.S. soccer camp. A couple of Americans, uh, starring overseas. Bill in New York. What's going on? Oh, perfect. I was just going to talk about Zella Lynn. Well, that's, I saw that you I were. See, Bill, I saw that you were, and then I transitioned us. I used that. Never mind. Go ahead. Oh, I missed you. I missed that part. I was waiting online. But uh, I tell you, I saw him play for Rangers this weekend, and I know it's small. They're playing a small team. I can't remember. It's Cal Brack or something like that was in the other team. But he looked great. He, yeah. he looked really good. He was the center of attack for them. They were using him for everything, and uh, he looked really good. Um, I wonder if maybe he's going to get a look. Pretty soon again, back with the U.S. national. Well, I mean, he's got to be in the mix for the for the U twenty threes, right? I think I think if he's playing well and his confidence is up, and they they you know certainly Andres Herzog is going to need somebody like him to set the tone and, and be the rhythm player in in, in against Colombia. Then he's got to be that guy. I mean, possession they got to be able to hold possession against Colombia. And that's it. So I hope they get him in there, take a look at him. And you're also talking about small stadiums, and this is the good thing. Like I like the FA Cup and I like all these tournaments and this is going real small. This is the Scottish Cup tournament that I was watching. And Celtic was playing another really small team. And one of the players went 
and did a slide tackle and went out of bounds and took out like four fans. <laughs> the fans are yeah. right there on the field. He took out like four yeah. fans. Well, I, 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 I failed. I failed to mention it at that. I mean, I was kind of half paying attention. I was in a bar at the time, but at that at that Bolton Eastley game. Some Eastley fan got on the field and started running around in the middle of uh, in the middle of the play, and eventually had to be escorted off by by security. And because it's di- you know we got that thing here where they they have a policy they never show field uh, people who run on the field in American sports like they always do they go to a wide shot and you hear uh, you you hear um, you know whoever uh, Joe, uh, Joe Buck say something like oh there's an idiot on the field uh, let's uh, security will get him and we'll get back to play. In England, they go, "Oh, look! Here's the idiot. Look at him! Look at him!" And 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 so it was. It's pretty fun. <laughs> and then the U.S. national team. I'll just throw out one more name for you. We were throwing out names last week, and uh, you know I'm a homer. I'm always a Red Bull guy talking about Red Bulls. I'm also a New Yorker, so we got to talk about Tim Parker from Vancouver. I, I think this could be a guy who starts to make a, his uh, mark on the U.S. Okay. national team. Yeah. Real good defender for. Vancouver, and I, I hope to see him do something. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, he's going to get a shot here, uh, 22, so I think he still qualifies for that U23 team, which may be what they're looking at him for, but, but, he, but you know, certainly you can never have, uh, you can never have too, many, too many central defenders. And if he's got some talent, then, then there you go. And you can't have too many New Yorkers either. There you go. That too, Bill. Appreciate the call, man. Jason, Thanks. take care. There goes Bill in New York getting excited. For Getty and Zalalem, I'm looking at a story about that pitch invader, and Trevor's, uh, Trevor's giving me this tip. Uh, Ref gave Bolton an advantage and let them continue on the attack with the fan running around. Let me see if I get some audio here that I can share. Now, I, I'm just watching the video. This isn't going to translate for you guys. He's just running down the middle of the pitch like he's crashing the back post. That's so good. Oh, so good. Eastley fans uh, running on the field. Robert in L.A., you're on the air. Hey, good morning, Jason. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Is the first time I talked to you this year, Robert? No, it's actually the, the second time. It's just I was just going to ask you, how long do we keep saying that? Because oh, we're done. this weekend when I was going out, people were still saying that. No, well, okay. I, I, there, look, you do it the first week of the year with people you see all the time. You know, you see, you, you, you see fairly regularly. But if you haven't seen somebody, if you, look, if you know somebody, you haven't seen them in a while, and you see them in, the first, in January, you can say Happy New Year in January, sure. Okay, <laughs> I didn't want to say it, because we were just, you know, a crew of my friends were just saying that for fun, and me, just a stranger going to business places, but I want to talk about the Liga MX uh, opening weekend. I was watching them, uh, I watched uh, Omar, uh, Omar Gonzalez's first game against Tijuana, and yeah. uh, first of all, we have to agree that uh, the world is a better place when Miguel Herrera is coaching the team. <laughs> yes, I agree with that. <laughs> 100%. So once again, you're doing it, you know what, going crazy, uh, and, uh, doing his uh, antics on the sideline, but for Omar Gonzalez, even though, like, he, I think he's been with the team maybe two, maybe two or three weeks, less than a month. So, there was still a little disconnect with him in the back line, and also it didn't help that one of his uh, center backs decided to um, uh, get himself red card and leave uh, Omar Gonzalez all by himself. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty much excited to see what 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 he can do in a higher, a high environment league. Well, I, I mean, you know, Omar is, um, uh, you know, I think I think everybody realizes Omar has talent. He's a particular skill set. I think I think he's kind of gotten a reputation as a bit of a stiff recently, which I think is unfair to him. And and maybe League MX not not loosens him up. I mean, on the field, but certainly just gives him a, a different sort of look when it comes to the to the to the play. Because you know, in MLS, it's easy for him to just become um, taken for granted. You know, he wins everything in the air. But we know he's, you know, we know he's prone to a mistake here or there, and he's got to have he's got to have his confidence up. I mean, he's, he's got to be a guy who people believe in, and and you know, Pachuca made an investment in him, so that's good. Yes, and also that he's about being put right into the starting lineup right away. So I'm pretty excited to see what he can do, and also, uh, well, Dominion didn't play, but he's gonna play. Uh, I kind of want to see what he does in the new environment, so that's what I was calling for. Uh, Hopefully you can have uh, Aaron Gomez on soon, so you can talk about the the league. Yeah, we're gonna we'll, we'll probably get Eric here shortly, either Eric or Tom Marshall, uh, and to start uh, to start talking about the the class order as it gets underway. Uh, you know, Tigres lost in their opener. Uh, who else? Uh, who else? I mean, obviously Chivas is it, it's worth watching Chivas all year because of the relegation uh, issues that they have. Um, you know, you got Rafa coming back for Atlas. 
so there's there's some interesting things to watch down in Mexico, absolutely. Yeah, that's you, and that's what I'm on the call for. And also, one more thing before I hang up. Uh, you guys were talking about the FA Cup. There's another story I, I saw. Uh, Stoke City were playing some, some uh, championship team, and one of the players took the train back home, and the Stoke fans were... They, they they recognized him and then they're all like you know kind of politely teasing him nothing like nothing bad but it was kind of hilarious if you can find it on Deadspin it's really hilarious oh really okay I didn't see that one who did Stoke have on the uh, in the FA Cup do you don't remember it's, uh, a League One side Rodham something I can't remember his name uh okay I'm looking for their score right now uh, I don't see it I don't see it where, where why is Stoke hiding from me. Uh oh, Doncaster. They they beat Doncaster. There you go. All right, Robert. Appreciate the call, man. Happy New Year. Yeah, you too. Happy New Year. There goes uh, Robert uh, calling in six four six eight three two thirty nine zero nine. Rich on Twitter says any other MLS hot stove that I missed. Um, I haven't beyond the beyond McInerney moving to Portland, which is a report now from Jeff Carlisle, not yet confirmed. Uh, but I bet you, you know, I bet you it happens if Carlisle reports it. And this, uh, your Mopsisian thing, I'm not sure. Do we have a lot? Do we have any other MLS stuff floating around? Uh, the stove is awfully lukewarm, says Trevor. So we need to stoke the fire a little bit and put some, uh, put some more wood in there. Get, did that, that, I've been playing this, I've been playing this video game. Uh, saying the word, saying video game makes me sound old, right? People just say game. I've been playing this game. Uh, Canadians made it, and it's basically just a survival, like a, a wilderness survival game. You're in the, you're in like Canada where it snows and it's super cold, and you have to survive. And there's, you're always making fires because it's super cold, and there's always, you're always running out of fuel. And I'm like, come on, let's go, let's, let's, I, I can't be cold all the time. I'm gonna die out here in the Canadian wilderness. Same thing with this MLS hot stove. The, the fire is going to die if uh, we don't get this thing stoked. By the way. Speaking of hot stove in general, maybe this this counts as MLS because he's got a contract offer on the table. Jordan Morris, pictures of the man starting his trial with Werder Bremen today. And it's specifically called a trial by the Werder Bremen English language web, uh, uh, Twitter account. Werder are about to start their first session of the day with trialist Jordan Morris also involved. There's just a picture of Jordan Morris as he walks out onto the pitch. So... You know, I don't know. I'm sure that the Werder Bremen is highlighting other players who are involved in training today. Bunch of pictures from their their training session. But to see Jordan Morris put up specifically is interesting. Here's more pictures of Jordan Morris. Jordan Morris fitting right in. Stretching with some player. So, uh, you know, some, I don't know who this is from the back. I can't tell, but some Werder Bremen player. So we're in a, a position now where it's, it's, it's Jordan Morris watch 2016. That seems to be where we are with this kid. Will he join MLS? And again, the question that I have for a lot of people, and I've sort of written on this topic without coming to a, a hard conclusion, cause I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly torn. Does MLS, does MLS need Jordan Morris more than Jordan Morris needs Germany? And, uh, you know, which one is the best situation for Jordan Morris? Playing at a higher level, being with a team at a higher level. Let's not say playing. Let's say being attached to a team at a higher level in Germany or having more opportunity to play and contribute and score goals in MLS and be a star. I mean, be somebody that the league markets around. Be somebody that the Sounders market around. Be somebody whose name and face get recognized by soccer fans in the United States of America. That's, I mean, look, he's not a, he's not a star by general American sports standards, but he is a star within the, the soccer thing because he's the college kid who got called up, scored against Mexico, and now has his future in front of him after he helped Stanford win a college cup title. 646-832. 3909. We, um, again, we just hit Monday. A couple of things I've, uh, been thinking about. Oh, if you're watching the, the, the web video, uh, I had somebody ask me where I got the Riot shirt. If you are not aware, this is the, this is the shirt from the team that was, uh, central to the, to the show Matador. 
which was canceled after one season on El Rey. So this is my L.A. Riot shirt. This is the it, look. I can't. I can't back the Galaxy. And as much as I like what LAFC has done, they're not a team yet. So I can't. I can't pick a side. So I'm just gonna be a. I'm just gonna be a Riot fan, an L.A. Riot fan. That way, I can. I don't have to pick one, or uh, I don't have to pick one of the teams in L.A. But this the, wearing the shirt today had me thinking. If I was going to start a collection, if I had the time, the energy, the effort, the money. I think maybe what I would collect, instead of, instead of jerseys from actual teams, like, oh, let me get the latest Arsenal, let me get the latest Manchester United, let me get the latest PSG. Collecting jerseys for fictional teams might be fun, right? Like that, this is not a, you know, this is not what you would call a classic soccer jersey thing. This is, this thing is, you know, it's, look, this, this logo is super big. It's right in the middle of the shirt. It's not actually that good of a jersey, but it still represents the team from that show. I need a, yeah, I need a dream team. Har, what was their name? Something United? Har, Harbing, Harchester United. Yeah, I need a Harchester United shirt. Uh, give me, I, I, I need to, I need to, 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 I need to, rem, I need, I need a list of the fictional teams. Yeah, Harchester was purple. They were, uh, very much in that, in that Orlando City area in terms of, uh, in terms of the colors. Uh, my man Mike <laughs> up in Philly. I've been looking for a big green jersey for years. So, Hartchester United, big green. Those, look, I, okay, I guess I would have to go into the youth soccer movie realm, right? I guess I would have to. But I would prefer to stay in the, in the, in the adult area. Like the actual professional teams, but there aren't that. I guess there aren't that many movies, right? That are fictional. There aren't that many movies with fictional professional soccer teams, or shows for that matter. Dream Team, Harchester United, uh, Matador, L.A. Riot. Um, that the list? Is that the whole list? That can't be the whole list. I have to look. Uh, you know what? There's got to be a Wikipedia page. Fictional soccer clubs, right? Let's go to Jonathan, California. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Jason. Um, long-time listener, first-time caller. Appreciate it, man. Uh, thank you. Um, I was just thinking about um, how Robbie Rogers and Sebastian Leggett from LA Galaxy, they kind of got snubbed from this January call-up. You know, I don't, the, the Leggett thing I don't get. I, I don't get why you don't give Sebastian Leggett a, a real look. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Rogers, yeah, I mean, Rogers, I think, quote-unquote, deserves it, but... Uh, you know, he, he's a guy who's sort of been through the system before. He's not a natural left back, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to justify Klinsman leaving him out because I think he deserves a look too. But Legette's the one that really bothers because Legette's a younger guy who could really grow into himself in the national team program. No, yeah, exactly. And as far as uh, you said how Robbie Rogers is not, uh, you know, a, a left back by trade, um, he's been using right backs as left backs for what how many years now? yeah i know right yeah i mean look either way fullback left side right side to have options at that position i think you know it's it's hard to it's it's hard to say that the clinton is getting anything right if he leaves out a player who has shown well at that position and is available and and, and in good form i mean in good health i mean you know there's just not a lot of those guys out there why not give robbie rogers a look yeah exactly exactly i always have this the conversation with my cousins, I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Galaxy fan since they started when in '96 when I was a kid. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not trying to be biased, but yeah, I do see like we do have, you know, we MLS does have good left backs that we can call up, but he just doesn't give them a chance, or he is said he uses right backs, or you know how he clearly loves to play players out of position for their growth or. Whatever. Or whatever. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then um yeah, oh, and, and then also, um, I wanted to ask you what you think about um supposedly Galaxy are trying to sign not just uh, not just Ashley Cole, but um yeah. Jong and um Lescott, right? From yeah, Australia. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Julian Lescott, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Johnny Lescott and, and uh Nigel DeYoung. Um yeah, I d I don't Look, I think Nigel DeYoung can can be a. Uh, I think Nigel DeYoung could dominate MLS. I mean, let's not 
Let's not act like he's not a, still a good player who could get it done at this level. Um, but I think he's thirty or thirty-one. Julian Lescott. I mean, that that would be that would be fine, I suppose. I mean, the the question continues to be not necessarily the players I identifying, but why they're going with these older Europeans when there are more economical choices around. Exactly, and then also like, why do we have Galaxy Two if we're not looking to breed these guys to come in to the first team to be somebody? As well, why do we have our academy if we're still looking for these? over 30-year-old Europeans to bring to our team before namesake, or I don't, I, I, yeah. I don't understand. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, it, 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 this seems to represent some kind of shift in the direction at the LA Galaxy that, that I think is troubling, got to be troubling for fans. Uh, you know, they didn't, win a, they didn't win their championship in, in 2015, and I guess when you're the club that expects to win or expects to be in the mix for a title and you come up short, that requires some reaction, but I, I think the reaction being let's go sign a bunch of aging Europeans is a weird one. Yeah, I mean, if we were to lose with those aging Europeans, of course we're you know I I would have I personally would not like that. No, of course. But and, if we were to lose, yeah. But if we were to lose with like maybe the younger guys, like the guys from Galaxy Two or you know younger American guys. Then I'll understand because I'm out there. Well, it's their first year, you know. We can't have, you know, the Gonzalez and AJ De La Garza where we made it to the final with them the first year. But that's more understandable than these supposed veterans that have, you know, high quality experience and stuff. Yeah, um, you know, the, the the Galaxy seem to be setting themselves up as the, um, uh, you know, as the anti anti FC Dallas and and. You know, considering how well FC Dallas did this year and, and how close FC Dallas got to making an MLS Cup final, it, it makes you wonder why. And L.A. has got a wealth of talent. I mean, I just got done talking to, uh, you know, not just got done, but I talked to Alicia Rodriguez last week about uh, about the LAFC uh, unveiling and about what they're doing next. And she said, you know, obviously they're going to get their, they're, they're working their academy system. They're trying to get that up and running. They chose not to take over Chivas's, Chivas USA's academy. And the best players from Chivas USA went running over to the galaxy pretty, pretty immediately. If you have that talent, yeah. why, what, and, and maybe LA Galaxy 2 is going to be stocked next year. I think it was pretty stocked this year too, but maybe it's going to be really stocked up. And they're just trying to find a way to bridge between that group and and the senior team. Maybe that those kids aren't quite ready, or or maybe there's I, I don't know. Maybe there's maybe Steven Gerrard just said I'm really lonely. Send me some English guys. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> maybe maybe he needs he needs needs some home like home country something um, something like oh, that. Oh well, you know Spanish. You know paisanos with him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, uh, Jonathan. I appreciate the call, man. Got anything else? All right, thank you. No, that'll be all. All right, that'll be all, says Jonathan. Good stuff, man. Appreciate it. 646-832-3909. I've got a list of the fictional. This might not be even remotely comprehensive, but I've got a list of of fictional soccer teams. Now, some of these, I have no idea where they're coming from. Some of them are video games I've never played before, so I'm not going to mention those. But we've we've got Big Green from that movie, Earl's Park FC from Footballer's Wives, which I never once watched. Not once, Earl, but I, but I, I obviously am aware of the show. Because back in the day when it was Fox Soccer Channel, they filled time with both Dream Team and Footballers Wives, right? I think both of those shows were on FSC back in the day. Man, that, that's going to be a, a mark of your age pretty soon. You realize, you guys realize that, right? Like if you're old enough to remember Fox Soccer Channel, and older enough to remember Fox Soccer Channel when it played Dream Team, when it played Earl's uh, Footballers Wise, then you're gonna be yeah you're 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 old you're you're kind of old. Uh, see, we got Hounslow Harriers from Bennett Like Beckham, which I haven't seen. Mean Machine, okay, that one speaks for itself. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, I don't know any of these. Coronation Street I've heard of, but I don't know anything about that team there. Uh, you, got some, you got some teams from Grand Theft Autos. The, uh, Grand Theft Auto 3, 4, and 5. Los Santos Benders. Los Santos Jardineros. 
Los Cent- uh, Liberty City Beavers. Okay, so we're, yeah, that's that's the kind of high quality comedy you get <laughs> you get out of uh, you know Grand Theft Auto. That's it. That's that's pretty much it. That's pretty weak. So so collecting fictional soccer jerseys is not going to work out for me. If there's only like four worth collecting, I mean, first of all, L.A. Riot's not even on this list, so I know it's not comprehensive. Because where the hell is L.A. Riot? No mention of 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 the team from the from the show Matador. I know it was only on a season. Don't get me wrong, but come on, there's got to be a better there's got to be a a better list of uh of fictional soccer clubs out there somewhere. Somebody point me in that direction. 646-832-3909. Uh trying to find trying to find fictional soccer clubs, but also taking your calls on a couple of the, these MLS moves. The FA Cup weekend, you had the uh, the Clausura down in Mexico getting underway. We had some results in La Liga as well. Uh Messi being Messi Five, a four nothing win for for Barcelona. Five nothing win for Real Madrid. Um, look, it's 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 a league of usually two teams with Atletico Madrid sort of uh, getting involved again, which is always good to see. But when when uh, when we talk about Real Madrid and trying to re- quote unquote recover, um, it's I don't know. I, I'm trying to figure out if I'm if I'm rooting for them or not. That, that's sort of what I'm saying here. Am I rooting for Real Madrid or not? Because I, I don't want to see Zidane fail. Maybe my desire to see Zidane succeed is going to override any sense I get that I can't, I can't root for a team like Real Madrid. Because again, rooting for Real Madrid is like rooting for the, the, the empire. I mean, it's, it's rooting for the biggest and baddest and strongest and my proclivities, my usual sense is to root for the underdogs. Like I, I, I normally I don't I, I don't know that I have a a dog in the fight in terms of the La Liga title, but I guess what I'm saying is, do I root for Real Madrid to come all the way back and win a title because that will vindicate Zidane and set him up and and I like Zidane, or do I root for Atleti to win the title because I like the quote unquote underdog, even though Atleti isn't really an underdog when compared to the rest of the world, they're just an underdog within Spain because you have two. Two of the biggest clubs in the world. Root for Ibar. That's not my. No, no, no. I'm talking about winning the title. Ibar's not going to win the title. This is like rooting for Leicester. Like you, you can root for Leicester, and it can also be about winning a title. Like how amazing a story would that be? I'm rooting for that. I'm rooting for Leicester to win the the Premier League title because it would be the the most amazing story we've seen in England in in decades, probably. I don't know. How do I handle? The Zidane situation. Very complicated situation. 646-832-3909. Co- complicated for me. By the way, the MLS Super Draft is coming up on Thursday. I don't believe we have any particular coverage plans at the moment for the web situation. We will check. I will check on that with Trevor and uh, get back to you. Obviously, the draft itself is in a, ra- a rather odd affair. Uh, lots of, lots of players you're not gonna have heard of. Some players that you'll know from their college experience. But the, the, the importance of the draft is now mitigated by the signing of homegrown players. Lots of guys who wouldn't have been in the draft before are now, uh, are now, um, signed as homegrown players and, and skip the draft entirely. But there's always going to be a couple of players in the draft who pop up and make a difference in, in year one. Um, if you, if you look at last year's draft, I mean, obviously Kyle Laren is the name that jumps out because Kyle Laren went to Orlando, scored a bunch of goals, set a rookie record. Number one overall pick out of Connecticut. So Orlando City got that right. This was, here's your top five picks from 2015. And we'll determine, you know, impact as we go along here. Kyle Laren, massive impact. As big of an impact as you could possibly have as a rookie in this league, especially as a rookie attacker. New York City FC, Kyrie Shelton. Uh, injured, obviously behind David Villa, behind some other guys. Didn't get as much playing time as you would like to have seen. Uh, but I don't think, you know, you're certainly not calling him a bust. And, he, and I don't know, but I don't know that you could say he contributed in year one. Montreal, uh, impacted number three drafted Romario Williams. I don't know who that is. 
did he was he on their roster this year? Because I don't I did not see Romario Williams play. The San Jose Earthquakes drafted Fatai Lashe. Now he he rounded himself into a major contributor with that team. Big pick for them. Portland Timbers at number five, Picnic Beasler. That's he did not make much of an impact. I don't think he played at all. I don't think he got I don't think he ended up making a a senior level appearance for Portland in two thousand fifteen. And this is the range. You know, this is this is what the draft is now. You're going to have guys who step right in, like Kyle Aaron, blow the doors off the thing. Then you're going to have guys like Nick Beasler, who is probably more of a, um, you know, more of a project for for Portland. Or they they drafted him because he was the best player available, but they didn't abs- they didn't actually need him at that position, so he doesn't get any playing time, or he plays in the reserves. Just to go through this, give you a sense how hit and miss the draft is now. Or let not again, this is year one. Reserve judgment on, on a lot of these players. I'm just saying that when it comes to the, the immediate impact. So uh, Nick Beasler was number five. Alex Bono was number six to Toronto FC, a goalkeeper. Okay. Matt Polster of Chicago was number seven. We know he made a uh, made an impression, ended up in the national team camp, part of the U23 setup. Uh, good player. Zach Steinberger was number eight to the Dynamo. Didn't see him uh, in 2015. Clement uh, Simonin um, to Toronto at number nine. The reason I don't know how to say his name is because he didn't play, as far as I know. Connor Hollisey from uh, California to Sporting Kansas City at 10. Okay. Skylar Thomas at 11 to Toronto FC. Saad Abdul, Sal- uh, Abdul Salam, who did play for Sporting in 2015 from Akron, was the number 12 pick. Tim Parker, who just got referenced on this show from the Vancouver Whitecaps, a St. John's product, why Bill is so excited. Number 13, so he played. Axel Skoyberg, Skoberg for the Rapids, like super tall guy. I don't think he played a lot. Uh, Otis Earl, Christian Roldan, we know Christian Roldan to the Sounders, played a bit. Miguel Aguilar for DC United, played a bit. Leo Stoltz, didn't play at all for New York Red Bulls. Sergio Campbell. Uh, I don't think he played. Amadou Dia for Sporting Kansas City played a bit. Ignacio Maganto for the LA Galaxy played a bit. So there you go. I mean, that, that, it's again we're in a it, we're in a position now where the, the the MLS Super Draft is usually top heavy, but it's not even really about being top heavy because then you would say, well, the top five picks are the guys that are going to make a difference. But in that top five, you had. Two in Romario Williams and Nick Beasler, who basically did nothing at the at the senior level, and you had a guy in Kyrie Shelton who made just a little bit of a mark. Kyle Laren and Fatai Lashi were the the big hits. In fact, those were the number one and number two rookie of the year guys in terms of the voting. Kyle Laren won it. Fatai Lashi was second. But there's also guys sprinkled throughout this first round who again popped up, made a difference, stepped in when injury hit. Sad uh, Abdul Salam, uh, Maganto, uh, Christian Roldan, Miguel Aguilar. So it's it's top heavy, but it's also because of the nature of scouting and the nature of evaluating talent means that the the talent the, the the talent that is um, that that comes to the table and does something that year can be spread out through the round. And then there's a the round two, which you know again you know we're talking about the MLS Super Draft sort of being limited uh, year to year as things change in the way that, that players are signed. But there are still guys here. Connor Donovan from Orlando City. Got some time. Uh, let's see. Boyd uh, uh, Boyd Akawanu from uh, RSL. I don't know how you played a lot, but certainly a highly touted player. Um, let's see. Tyler Miller. No. Rob Lovejoy from Houston. I think he got a little bit of time. Not sure it was much. Eric Bird for the Union. Anybody else? O'Neal Fisher for for the Sounders. I mean, guys that that, that pop, again popped up when in open cup play in, uh, in 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 relief of somebody you know in a game that uh, didn't matter or um, maybe got some some time again as a fill in at various points. Oh wait, there's a round three too. Yeah, we're not doing that. Soccer morning six four six eight three two thirty nine zero nine. If you got anything you want to tip in here on a Monday. We hit some of the biggest uh, biggest stories, uh, the FA Cup, the Ballon, the Ballon d'Or. Anybody got picks on the Ballon d'Or? Uh, yeah, gonna all pick Messi probably. But the rest of these uh, categories. All right, let, let's let's go ahead. We'll put it 
uh, we'll, we'll put it in uh, the official ledger here. Who are my picks going to be? I got some uh, scrap paper. Uh, I'm going to pick Messi. Uh, you know, the, the, Trevor threw me off here because he said, again, I was told there was some sort of leak about the results of the Ballon d'Or voting and that it was Messi and Celia Sausage. And, and it may very well be, but I'm going to pick Carly Lloyd anyway because whatever, I'm a homer. Carly Lloyd, uh, men's coach of the year, Pep, Jorge Sampioli, or Luis Enrique? Uh, I'm gonna, uh, get, get, uh, Luis Enrique. I'm gonna go with Luis Enrique. I, I mean, you Champions League winner. How do you not go with that guy? Women's coach of the year, Jill Ellis, Mark Sampson, Norio Sasaki. I'm gonna say Jill Ellis, another homer pick for me. And then, uh, the rest is, uh, FIFA 11 and Puskas. And I'm not, uh, picking those. Uh, the Puskas, I'm, I'm, I'm boycotting the Puskas award because Carly Lloyd's goal from the, uh, World Cup final did not make it in. That's a, that's a joke, a travesty. A mockery, a Travisher mockery, that one. All right, uh, it seems to be that we have wrapped up a, a Monday edition of Soccer Morning. Good stuff uh, from everybody that called in. Thank you for doing so. We'll be back tomorrow with our usual Tuesday edition. I'm sure we'll talk some something with somebody. I'll, we'll get a guest on and we'll have a discussion. And it'll be fun because that's what soccer is. It's fun. All right. Thanks for a lot for listening. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye.